0: Welcome, everybody, to the Hot Shot Wake Up. Welcome back. Hey, we're going to get right into it with what most are expecting out of this podcast, which is the bill that was introduced by Congressman Tom McClintock of California. He's District 4 in California, along with uh, his co-sponsor, co-writer, Doug LaMalfa. He's also from California, District One. We've heard of some of these uh, folks in the past. If we remember, there was conversation about emergency funds and things going on in California previously in 2021, and out of that came a soundbite from Congressman Tom McClintock that has kind of stuck with him, uh, and and rightly so, because it was you know it was whether he meant it or not, it was a bad comment to make, which was fighting wildfire is a uh hot and sweaty job tough job but it is for unskilled laborers or it's unskilled labor was the comments that came out of congressman tom mcclintock's office on that matter and of course the uh wildfire world and others ganged up on him and uh really created a month of hell for the guy really for what he had said but here we go he's back in the news here And, of course, it is still with wildfire news. So I'm going to read through uh, this for you just so we can get everybody caught up on what's actually going on with this situation. But what we have here, this is from Wildfire Today, posted an article saying, uh, Yesterday, two U.S. congressmen, Tom McClintock uh, of California and Doug LaMalfa of California, introduced legislation that would direct the United States Forest Service to immediately suppress wildfires on national forest systems. So H.R. 6903 requires that, to the extent possible, use all available resources to carry out wildfire suppression with the purpose of extinguishing wildfires detected on national forest system lands, not later than 24 hours after such a wildfire is detected." It continues here, it further states, the forest service may only use a fire, may only use fire as a resource management tool if the fire is a prescribed fire that complies with applicable law and regulations and may only initiate a backfire or burnout during a wildfire by order of the responsible incident commander. And then from there, if a wildfire is used as a resource management tool, Or if a backfire or burnout was not authorized by the incident commander, the bill stipulates that any person aggrieved by a violation of those previous requirements may bring a civil action or a lawsuit against the United States. Okay, so to kind of break that down, what I'm seeing is Tom McClintock and Doug LaMalfa want full suppression— or the big, or the start of suppression to begin within 24 hours after a wildfire is detected on forest service lands. So what the bill says is if that burnout isn't approved by the incident commander that if then something happens the people who are abreeved by these firing operations can then sue the United States government. And this kind of came to light or became a reality because of some fires in California that they said they were managing. Um, The Wildfire Today article continues, the most notorious initially unattacked fire recently was the Tamarack Fire near Markleville, California. It started as a single tree on July 4th, 2021 and was monitored but not suppressed for 13 days while it was very small until it suddenly grew very large. It burned at least 15 structures and more than 67,000 acres as it ran from California into Nevada, jumping Highway 395 and prompting the evacuation of 2,000 people. Okay. So if we want to get into more of these people's comments in September, September 29th, actually, in a congressional hearing, uh, Randy Moore, who is the new chief of the United States Forest Service, was asked several questions by Representative Malfa, including about the Tamarack Fire. So this bill was kind of created around this sort of incident, the Tamarack Fire incident is what kind of bloomed this legislation from these two representatives' minds. Or maybe even their their aides. You know, these people have full offices working for them and constructing and writing legislation uh, for them. You know, people fresh out of law school who are trying to make it in the political world join representatives' offices and then they draft law and try to present that in a light that the Congress people would like, and then that is how these things then get pressed forward. Anyway, enough about a lesson in politics. The Tamarack Fire seems to be the reason behind this thing, or at least something that is pushing this whole thing. Uh, Continuing, the chief said that after the fire was started, the Forest Service spiked out a, quote, small crew to monitor the fire. If that was the case... They apparently took no action, this article says, because the United States Forest Service reported that on July 10th that it was a quarter acre and they were not going to insert crews due to safety concerns and it posed no threat to the public infrastructure or resource values. The Forest Service chief gave grossly incorrect information about the number of fire personnel that were assigned to the fires at the time. And the number of large uncontained fires in both cases, inflating the numbers by factors of three or four, this claims. That appeared to be justification for not attacking the fire, shortage of firefighters. However, a quarter acre fire would only need a handful of personnel for a day or two. On July 23rd, the incident reported that 1,353 personnel were assigned. Representative La Malfa then tried to get the chief to say, The Forest Service is committed to aggressive initial attack on new fires, but he preferred to use the term aggressive forest management. The Forest Service chief later said that we already do aggressively attack these initial attack fires. Okay, let's kind of break this down. I see a couple things going on here. Tom McClintock seems to gravitate towards our industry which is fine attention any sort of attention really is good because you can then manage that attention and uh, see which direction it goes in and prepare for any moves that take place but i can see where he's coming from with the tamarack fire this is one incident among the thousands of fires that take place over the season Okay, and I can, I can see this fire in my mind. I was not there, but I've been on fires like this. You know, I've showed up to a fire where there is a type two crew there, a throw together crew is there. I show up with my crew late season and I ask what the plan is and they say managed fire. It's a quarter acre lightning strike fire in the middle of nowhere and we're going to manage this thing so the type of person i am is i just start. i'm not against managed fires people but i start i always want information so i'm asking questions why are we going to do that as long as you have approval for this i'm sure the district ranger has has an opinion on the matter and then you just see sometimes that people just want some bonus acres as they're called in the industry, a quarter acre, if you can turn it into a few hundred then some resource advisors can come in, count some acreage and all of these sort of things as I, as I blabber on here. But I have a point here, people. This fire that I was on, there was a weather event coming. So I brought this to the attention of the overhead staff. And at this point in time, I'm crew two on this fire, crew two. And they say, yeah, the weather event, no big worries, we'll, uh, we'll be way out ahead of this, you know, because the weather event was two or three days away. But I knew the area and I said this could come early and where this fire is, it could blow out and there's a lot of receptive fuels around. You know, maybe we just put this one out. Maybe we just put this one out. They didn't like that idea. They They were kind enough to not say that to my face um but instead the day that they decided to initiate their burn they put my crew a mile and a half away on a ridge to cut indirect line they just wanted to get me out of the way hey cool it's almost uh you know the end of the season i'll hang out on a 60 degree day and and cut cut indirect fire line that's fine whatever but of course, the weather event came early. It blew their quarter acre fire out and went went over a hundred thousand acres. Structures were lost. Governors were showing up at the incident command post. And it turned into a huge mess. And I for the first couple days, you know, once the shit show kind of calmed down. I've made my opinions known, but it was a mess for like three, four days, uh, where then at that point in time, you just do what you can to stop this thing. But it turned into a big, huge deal. The state that was involved, uh, it got a bad look. People were shuffled around. People lost their jobs. And it makes the public have an incredibly bad view of managed fires. And obviously, the community that was involved here now hates managed fires. So, to bring it all the way back to this Tamarack fire, I can see where there was some frustration. Maybe a lot of phone calls and letters and emails came into these representatives' offices where they said, You just gotta fucking do something about this because enough with this government bullshit and their managed fires. That's the way the public responds to this stuff, folks. You got to be aware of that. They are not in it like we are, and they are going to overreact to things that we think are small, and they might underreact to things that we think are huge. You know, the things that people underreact to is maybe some evacuation orders where we think to ourselves, why the hell haven't these people left yet? And they are outside with their little back-and-forth sprinkler running with the burgers on the grill watching the air show. But on the other hand, when we say, hey, we're going to burn something out or have a prescribed burn or a managed fire, they then instinctually go back to the news clips that they've seen and maybe even perhaps their neighbor or family members who live in areas where this has happened and they're against that. So... I understand where this bill has been birthed out of, but at the same time, there's more than just that burnout aspect, and that is the suppression within 24 hours. Anybody who's a student of fire knows that this has been tried before, and what that creates is a choked understory forest that then provides years of ladder fuels that is dead and down and creates uh, a mess when lightning does strike or something else does happen. I know we can all be quick to hate on this guy, and there is reason for it. Calling an entire workforce unskilled labor is one of the stupidest things you could probably do as a politician. It's So dumb to do something like that. And he did that. But then to come back full circle and introduce this bill, which then says suppression of any fire within 24 hours, and then any sort of burning must be approved by an IC, and if anybody puts some fire on the ground without approval, then litigation is open and wide for anyone who is affected by that and i understand people getting restitution for lost property for negligence and malfeasance however making it federal law like let's say there's a lightning strike and you it is it's its a p let's say it's a pl5 there's a lightning strike and you literally don't have resources to get to this fire within 24 hours I see a few things happening with this. One, you, you know, you're you 48 hours in, you finally get resources there and something happens. And now it's law that it has to be 24 hours and someone loses some livestock or an outbuilding that is three quarters of the way rotted, falling to the ground, but still is considered a foundation within county records, so that it's a structure and you can sue for these things. You know, how far are we going to take that? The other thing is, okay, so we have a shortage of firefighters, but we have to suppress it within 24 hours, so what are we going to do? Just fill our our ranks all of a sudden with Mr. McClintock, with what? With more unskilled labor to do this for you? I mean, in his words, what are we going to do, man? You can't even pass the goddamn Tim's Act to get fair pay and housing for people, and you're making demands for something that was tried 100 years ago and completely screwed our Western forests and even our Midwestern areas due to suppression tactics. All of that being said, though, I don't think this bill is going to pass. It's not. It's not going to pass. Who in their right mind is going to do this? If it makes it through the resource committee, which is what it has to do before it even gets a... A look in the house of representatives then the house has to pass this thing then it has to go to congress and then if congress doesn't like it they can change it and still pass it and then it's got to go back to the house to approve the changes and then it's got to go to the president's desk you're telling me they're going to do all of this stuff for this suppression legislation and not pass a fair pay act for firefighters so let's get a grip, folks. Let's not focus on this too much. Yes, Tom McClintock needs to shut his mouth about the wildland firefighter world because he doesn't seem to know what the hell he's talking about. More thoughts on that. Maybe the guy was misled by some aides that he has saying that this is what your constituents want. They've been calling and emailing for months. I've put this thing together for you. Let's go get Representative Doug LaMalfa to sign off on this thing and we can. We can push it forward and tell our constituents we've done something. Okay. Tom, if that's the case, you fucked up. The other thing is, the wildfire world gave this guy so much hell the last, you know, half a year or whatever it is. Maybe he's got a bone to pick with us. And there's a lot of goddamn trolls out there. Maybe this is a troll. I doubt that. But maybe... He's so sick and tired of us wildland firefighters griping on him. And I see you guys out there commenting on his pages. People read that stuff. You know, it's a government page, people. They're going to read what you say on a government page. And they're going to digest that. And he's going to get briefed on it. And, you know, people have feelings, (laughs) you know. So maybe he was hurt by all of this. Who knows? End of the story is, I don't think it's going to pass. Uh, if it does, what I'll eat? uh, I'll eat a shroud on camera. How about that? I'll eat a used shroud on camera if this thing passes. But it's fun to talk about, and it's fun to hate on Tom McClintock of California District Four because he seems to always have a fire boot in his mouth that he's trying to talk around. But we can move on from that because there is other stuff going on that we should probably talk about a little bit. Uh, the president of the United States. Joe Biden and the CDC have uh, taken back their mask mandates. Uh, there's no more mask mandates in Congress, in the White House, all of this sort of thing. And uh, emails went out to all of the departments in the U.S. government, telling them that hey, this is we're moving forward with this, and uh, you can tell your people they don't have to wear masks anymore, and even visitors coming into your buildings, you don't have to wear masks anymore. So, of course, the Forest Service took that email and kind of crumpled it up and threw it away, and they sent out an all-employees email at the beginning of this week to try to clarify what the president and the CDC are saying, uh, which they did and continued to list the risks to your health from the pandemic, and all of these sort of things that we're all tired about listening to. And the Forest Service basically said, listen, our mask mandates are still in place, And you must follow them for visitors and employees. But maybe that will change by the end of the month. Maybe it will change here in a couple weeks. You know, there's probably some people in the Forest Service who don't really agree with this changing as quickly as it is. Or they have to draft a new policy paper and it's taking them time. So this is the delay. You know, they've delayed this this uh, policy change of the mask mandate until they can get their feet underneath them. You know, heaven forbid they got Tom McClintock on their ass saying they need to put out every fire. That happens, so we can't deal with this mask mandate right now because there's so many other things going on. But give me a goddamn break. Take the mask off is my opinion. Uh, as soon as the war in Ukraine started, uh, the pandemic seems to have ended Uh, and they're going to sweep everything under the rug and we're going to move on because that's how the world works folks until it doesn't so my guess april come april uh you guys won't have to wear masks anymore and i hope that is the case uh moving on there is a tester trial for a new crew rotation that is taking place this year maybe some of you have heard about it maybe some of you have not heard about this It is a 14 on two days off, 14 on seven days off, and then you restart that rotation. And then this rotation is stuttered within a week with other crews so that your weeks never line up at the same time and it's more of a schedule-based rotation. There's, It's not being implemented across the country this year, but there are some crews that are going to be the test crews for this thing uh, going forward. And of course, they will write a report and report back and talk about if it worked for them or not. There's a couple things in flux, such as do you need these resources at a certain time? Do... Crew members like this? Do they not? What's are you getting paid for the seven days off? I have heard that you will be getting paid for seven off. However, there is this isn't in stone, so it could be changed, is all I'm saying. Like I said, this is a tester run this year uh, for this, uh, and then the hotshot crews will report back and let everybody know what they thought about that. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think about that. Do you want that seven days off? Use you C problems with this, with the seven days off? You know, people join Hotshot crews because they want hours, glory in hours, really. And people want to get paid and then be done with the season and move on from there. But we'll see what comes out of that and uh, we'll go from there. You know, my personal opinion is if you're getting paid for the seven days off, cool. Like everybody loves that. Um, As long as the rotation works in tandem, you know, if people buy tickets to Hawaii and they miss their flight back because something happens within that seven days, you know, what then? Obviously, they miss a roll or what's going on with that. What, you know, what sort of stipulations are there? Because you have seven days off in a summer. A lot of people are going to want to, you know, plan buying tickets and going somewhere and then something can happen. You know, that's kind of the advantage you know, not always a good thing to have that kind of control over people, but when you only have two days off, people tend to stick locally and uh, you can roll right back out. But it will be interesting if they can organize the calendar so that they don't have any issues with resource availability. Uh, it could be a positive going forward. We'll, we'll see, though. Let me know what you think about all that. And then, uh, believe it or not, South Korea has a ripper going on over there. Uh, so they've announced a state of emergency for this fire. I posted a video of it earlier today. It's not as bad as most people are out make, making it out to be, but it, it could be bad is what I've read. It's it's on the verge of being bad. So I'll just read you a clip of that. There's thousands of people that have fled their homes in South Korea's Jin province on Friday after a wildfire broke out close to a liquefied natural gas facility. Uh, as of Friday evening, they got 1,000 firefighters on it, uh, and then they're having all sorts of weather issues, strong winds. Uh, they're focusing their efforts on preventing it from reaching the Hosin re liquefied natural gas production site in the Gangwon-do near the city of Shamshek. Almost 4,000 residents were evacuated from nine villages in the area, although all but 161 have returned. So it kind of ripped through an area caused a lot of problems for the local residents but it seems most of them are back in their homes the biggest problem is they're uh, seeing a lot of infrastructure uh, issues there's a nuclear facility over there uh, and a natural gas facility over there that the fire is burning near but i would hope that the south koreans can keep it from entering both of those areas uh, other than that in the fire world there was the gym fire in california kind of raised some eyebrows it was some steep terrain intense fire behavior that kind of raised some eyebrows for this kind of year but it was suppressed and again it was just some infrastructure issues that were the main area of concern in that Uh, other than that that's about your weekly update if you don't know uh, russia is still in ukraine our government is still saying that's bad But we're staying out of it mostly. If you haven't noticed, the price of gas is skyrocketing. The price of food is skyrocketing. And that's because if you follow markets, wheat and oil have gone through the roof. And that is because Russia is one of the main producers of both of those things. And with all of the new sanctions going into place and the instability in the region, we are seeing wild and crazy price increases. I expect that to continue if you're out on the fire line hanging out and spiking out and away. You don't have to worry about it that much to be completely honest with you, but in the bigger scheme of things, it'll be interesting to see how all of that plays out. But enough about all that. Everybody enjoy your weekend. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you do, like, subscribe, pass it on to people, and you know what to do. Get it done. Uh...